Welcome back to the Biblical Principles Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have as co-laborers in Christ to be able to take what we've studied from the Word of God, impart it unto you. And the reason we do that is because in years to come, hopefully you'll take what I've given you and give it to somebody else. And then that's the way the gospel gets proclamated. It'll expand that way. It'll mushroom. It'll go forth. The Word of God is not bound. A lot of times we think that we're on the losing side, but we are definitely on the winning side. When this thing all settles out, Jesus will still be sitting on the throne, and He'll be the one making the final decisions for the way the world is. But if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, I want to begin reading verse number 25, the book of Ephesians chapter 5 in verse number 25. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the woman, about the woman or the female in the Bible. And um, there's a lot of different avenues that we could go with this study. Um, I chose probably to go on a little different avenue than most. Um, I actually thought about picking out good godly women from the Bible and reading about their lives and showing some of the things about them. But then I kind of decided that maybe I should just show what it is that the woman needs in the Bible, what it is that a good spiritual godly woman needs, or what it is that every woman needs. And the first thing that we find there is in the book of Ephesians chapter 20 or chapter 5 verse number 25. Let's read the verse. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The woman needs to be loved. She needs to be loved. And that love has to happen. It has to happen. She has to know that her heart has been given to somebody and that that person trusts her, and that she can trust him. And this love, as we see here in verse number 25, is a protective love. It's a protective love. If you notice, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's that protective love. That's realizing that the woman or the church could in no wise get out of the problem she was in. So Christ, or the husband, died for her. She has to know, sir, that you're willing to lay your life down for her in the event that there's a tragedy about to take place, that you will step in the path of death for her. And that's that love that she has to have. It's a protected love. It's a love that shows her that you love her no matter what. You love her so much, you're willing to die for her. Within verse number 28, Ephesians 5, 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now here we see a love that's a provided love. He provides for her, and she has to be provided for, sir. She has to be provided for just like you would provide for yourself. You realize if I get a scratch on my finger... Well, maybe not a scratch, maybe a cut on my hand. Do you know what I'll do? I'll I'll go get a Band-Aid and put it on there. Why? Because I love myself. I don't want my finger messed up. If I, if I am running and I fall down and I hurt my knee, do you know what I'll do? I'll take it easy for a couple of weeks on that knee. Why? Because I want it to work again in the future because I love myself. 
And that's the type of love that she needs. Not only a protective love, but a provided love. All of her needs had to be met in order for her to feel love. Not just her physical needs, but also her mental needs and her spiritual needs. She, Women are wired a little different than we are, sir. And we need to realize that she has some conversation needs that we don't have. And that goes right along with that provided for love by providing time for her to listen to her, to talk to her. And what that does is that assures her that she is loved. Verse number 33 of Ephesians 5. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. If you'll notice that word in particular in verse number 33, I see that it's a personal love. You can't love every woman the same. You have to know her. You have to, she's a particular woman. Not meaning she's a picky woman. She's particular. Meaning she might like yellow flowers instead of red flowers. She might like a nice meal at a restaurant as opposed to going on vacation. And that's that particular personal love that she has to have. She has to have that love to be able to be what it is that God designed for her to be. She's not a robot. She's not an automatic machine. And if she doesn't have a love that makes her feel protected, a love that makes her feel provided for, and a love that is personal, she cannot be everything that God designed her to be. Why? Because there's a void that's missing. She has to have that. Jesus would not have put that in his Bible if he was not expecting for us as men to provide that to the woman. And by the woman, I mean the woman that you are married to. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. The book of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Secondly, the woman has to be honored. She has to be honored. I looked that word up right there in the middle of the verse, First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, giving honor unto the wife. And this is what it means in the Strong's Concordance. It means a value. It means precious. It means something you paid money for. Now, if she doesn't feel honored, she can't feel, she cannot fulfill the will of God for her life. Why? Because it's important to her. She might be a little bit, she might be a little bit weaker, and we'll get to that in a second. But men, we have got to look at our wives like there's a value there. It's not just the person that hangs out at the house that makes the sandwiches and that provides the laundry needs and that washes the dishes and that scrubs the floors. And if she does all that, that's great. Okay, that's great, sir. I'm glad that she's in line. But in the midst of that, is there an honor system that you're putting on her? And that word there, the definition of honor, means something you paid money for. Now, what I want you to imagine for a minute, this might be the, not be the best illustration, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to use it anyhow. But say that I gave you a brand new car, 
a brand new car. It was, I, I gave you the car and it was brand new and it had brand new tires. It had a brand new motor. It had a, a brand new air conditioner. It was, it had everything that you could ever want. It was brand new. I gave you the car. I gave you the title to the car. I signed it over to your name and it was yours free and clear. You didn't pay anything for it. And then I came by your house about a week later and I looked in the yard and you had all the windows rolled down in the car and like a two by six board run up one side. And I was, I asked, I said, what's going on with the car? And you said, oh, well, I just needed a chicken coop. So what I did was I just rolled the windows down and run a board up in there and all my chickens go up in there during the night and that's where they sleep. I'd be like, sir, I didn't, I didn't give you the car for a chicken coop. I gave it for you to write. Well, I don't have a lot in it. It's something, you know, that's just what you gave me, as opposed to you actually physically making the payments for the car or working and saving the money for the car and handing somebody, say, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 worth of cash for the car. You know what you'd do? You'd take care of it. You'd clean it. You'd wash it. You would make sure that it was parked in a safe place. And that's what I'm expecting. And I believe that's what the Word of God is expecting out of our wives, is that we honor them like we paid money for them. There's, they're precious to us. It's not just an item that was given to us, but it's something that's precious. It's irreplaceable, sir. The woman in your life, your wife, is irreplaceable, and she has to be honored. She has to be looked at like there's a value there. Like, there, there's something precious. I actually have, and I'm not bragging on myself, okay? I'm not. I'm not. I believe me. Um, this podcast was one of the things that dealt with my heart before I ever put it online. But I have a, um, I have a unique situation with my wife, and um, we've worked hard together to be able to work together to be able to be Christians or to be able to be people who are good moms and dads. It's, it's not easy. It's not, it's not simple. It's not a cookie-cutter design. You have to work at this. You have to put forth effort into it. But it has to be done along the lines that there is a value placed there. I, put a, um, I have a pretty pricey insurance policy on my wife, a life insurance policy. And I had a man tell me one time, why you got all that life insurance? This is kind of how he worded it. Why you got all that life insurance on your wife? She don't do nothing but stay at the house. I said, sir, you, you don't understand. If something happens to my wife, I got to hire Mary Poppins to come in here and take care of my children and my home. It, she does a lot around here. Do you know why I have that life insurance policy? Not because I'm hoping something happens to her, God forbid. I have it because she is valuable to this marriage. She, she plays a critical role. And I feel like sometimes us as husbands don't realize what we've got. And if it was to leave for about two weeks, we'd be begging for it to come back. But the main problem is we're just not honoring it. We're not looking at it as a precious item. We're looking at it as something, well, I got her. And now she ain't going nowhere. Sir, you better be careful with that statement because she might go somewhere. Because if you're not loving her and you're not honoring her, it might be. And there's another man out there 
who will. You say, well, that's against the Bible. Sir, a human being can only take so much, okay? You can break her down very easily. Notice what the verse says here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. I've got way off track. I need to pull this thing back in. The verse says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. You know her. Now, I will say this. It doesn't mean understanding. You are never, ever, ever, sir, in a million, hundred, thousand years, in 400 lifetimes, you will never understand a woman. You'll never do it, okay? That's why I've read so many books on women, and I come to the conclusion that my wife's just not in any of those books. But I do know this. It's not that I understand her, but I dwell with her according to knowledge because I know what she needs. I know what she needs. It goes back to that first point. Under the woman needs to be loved on that personal, that personal love because it's a particular love that she needs to have. You need to know what she needs. But then also, look in the verse here where it says, about middle way through, as unto the weaker vessel. You need to realize she can't handle everything that you can handle. She might not be able to multitask five or six things at the same time. She might not be able to do some things that other women, that other women can do. Why? Because she might be weaker in that area. And you need to acknowledge that, and you need to look at that, and you need to analyze your life, spend some time praying about it. and say, You know what? What would be a good prayer? You get down on your knees and just say, God, would you show me some of my wife's weaknesses so maybe I can help strengthen her in that area and bear that burden? Maybe she can't get all the dishes and the laundry done every day like Susie May, the neighbor's wife, can Maybe she's weaker in that area and she might need a little help. You say, no, she's just lazy. That's the problem. No, sir, she's weaker and you need to understand that. She might need she might need a nap every now and then. Maybe chasing all them kids around and dealing with all their needs and trying to sweep the floor 100,000 times as that boy comes running through with muddy boots isn't what she thought it was going to be when she had kids. And maybe it's wearing her out. Maybe she needs to take a nap when they take a nap. Maybe you just need to realize that she needs more rest and less stress. Maybe I can go off four hours of sleep, but my wife needs 10. Is that some kind of deadly sin? Does that mean she's lazy? No, that just means she's weaker. And I see the, I see the weakness in her life, so I slip out of bed real quietly in the morning, get my clothes on, do what I got to do, and let her rest because she's the weaker vessel, and she needs to be honored. And then let's look at... The book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 29. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. I looked up that word cherished, and that's what she needs. She needs to be loved. She needs to be honored. She needs to be cherished. I looked up that word cherished in the Strong's Concordance, and it means to warm it means skin to skin. And most men are like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. No, sir, that's, that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is she needs to be held. She needs some cuddling time. She needs you to run your fingers through her hair or across the side of her face. She needs you to hold her hand. She needs you to love her. She needs you to say some sweet words to her every now and then. And you say, well, you just think you ought to walk around like Romeo. Believe me, 
I'm not Romeo, okay? But I do understand the importance of cherishing her and putting her first and telling her she's pretty and her eyes are pretty. And maybe she don't look like she did when she was 19, sir, okay? She's had 17 of your kids, all right? Not to mention she's been married to you for 25 years. Maybe she doesn't, okay? But that doesn't mean you shouldn't cherish her. She is she has given her life for you. She's given her life for you. And she deserves in return not not a brand new car necessarily, not a big fancy diamond ring or a fancy house. Maybe you just got a small house with a little bitty couch on it. Call her over there every now and then, set her beside you, and put your hand on her leg and tell her, look, I love you, and I appreciate everything you've done for me and my home and my children. Because without her, none of this would have been possible, sir. None of it would have been possible. And instead of using her as a doormat, why don't you use her as a side piece and you sit beside her? I told my wife the other day, I said, when we get... When these kids get out of the house, I'm going to buy a breakfast nook with a bench seat on it where we just have one seat we sit side by side once, once the children are gone. You say, well, that's silly. I'll tell you what, every time I say it, she lights up because that's what she wants. She doesn't, she doesn't need all the worldly things if you'll just cherish her. And look what it says. Look what it says in the verse there, the end of verse number 29. Even as the Lord, the church. You know, when I thought about that, like Jesus does the church, his bride, his children. Do you know what Jesus does? Even when we mess up, he still loves us. You know what, sir? Maybe she messed up and bounced a couple debits. Still just love her. You know what? Maybe she cut the corner too tight pulling into the store and blew a tire still love her maybe the car overheated and after she called you and you said pull it over on the side of the road or you're going to blow it up she was scared to pull over on the side of the road so she drove it all the way to the house and locked the motor up you say you talk like that's a real life experience it could be maybe she pulled up to the gas pump and instead of putting gasoline in the car she filled the whole thing up with diesel and ran it till it shut off you know what she makes mistakes and while you're sucking the diesel fuel out of the fuel, fuel rail with your mouth, you can think about how much you should be cherishing her. You say, well, that's easy to do. No, it's not. It's not easy at all. She makes mistakes, but so do we. But so do we as men. But do you know what Christ does? Even when we make mistakes, he still loves us. Even when we mess up, he still cares about us. And at the end of the day, it's not going to matter if she left the water hose on water in a garden and ran the well dry and you got home and didn't have any water for a shower at the end of your life you're not going to look back and go i'm glad i yelled at her for that now just go jump in the swimming pool get rinsed off and the well will refill in a little while you say you're bringing a lot of your personal life into this maybe i am because maybe that's the only life i know but in the midst of all that i've learned that during those times, she probably needs to be cherished more than she does during the good times. Titus chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5. The book of Titus chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5. 
The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Number four, the woman was designed to be a teacher, was designed to be a teacher. This is a missing piece in the day and age that we live in in Christianity. And I don't know if it's because the men cannot love, honor, and cherish the woman enough where she can teach somebody else, and she's always struggling day in and day out. But a, a woman is designed to teach other women. The older women teach the younger women. As, as my daughter gets older, she needs to spend some time around some older women that are married, and they need to teach her. They need to teach her how to, how to be a good wife, how to, how to do things around the house, how to deal with men, how to deal with children. She needs to know those things, but the, how she's going to be taught those is because of the women being teachers. And I'm almost convinced that they can't be teachers because the men are not loving, honoring, and cherishing them. Yeah. And most of them run around having to try to spiritually lead the home and having to try to bear the burden of teaching the children and figuring out the bills and fixing the appliances and raising their husbands who are nothing more than little boys trapped in a man's body and who throws a tantrum when he can't go out to eat for lunch. She can't be a teacher, sir, if she's having to raise you. And she's about to have a nervous breakdown just dealing with life because she's the weaker vessel. And she's got so much on her, she can't take the time that God intended for her to take to teach the younger women what they need to know about being a good godly wife and preparing the things that their husband needs. You say, well, I don't know how you get all that out of the text. Well, that's the only way that I can decipher it, is that the reason that she can't be a teacher is because the women are too busy trying to raise us because we're not in our place. So they can't be in their place. First Timothy chapter 5 in verse number 8. The book of First Timothy chapter 5 in verse number 8. But if any provide not for his own house... Oh, I'm sorry. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. The woman is designed to be provided for. If you go back to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 5, it says keepers at home. She's designed, sir, to have all of her financial needs met by you. And if you're not capable of meeting the financial needs of another human being, then you have no business getting married, sir. None. You say, well, I got this little RV, and, and I think we can live in it on Granddaddy's farm, sir. She's not wanting to go camping all the time. She wants a home. And if you're not capable of providing her a home, then you do not need to marry her. That living on love thing will run out in about four to six months. When living in that little bitty camper, she decides that the walls have closed in on her. Okay, and you say, well, you're being super critical. 
And how much did you have when you first got married? Sir, I'm telling you the way the Bible says it's supposed to be done. You're supposed to be capable of providing for another human being if you're going to marry this woman that you say you love because she is designed to be provided for. Now, I did this podcast, and I want to say at the end of it that I believe that one man marries one woman for a lifetime and that one woman marries one man for a lifetime and that there's no separating that. And so if you've got a wife, then you need to work with the one you've got. I'm not by no means saying that maybe she's not perfect, but I've got a funny feeling, sir, if you'll start to love, honor, and cherish her, your marriage will improve at least 50% in the next two to three months. Now, if you've treated her like garbage for five to seven years, it might take her a year to figure out what exactly is going on. But you just get in your Bible, sir, you start reading it, and you start praying that God will help you. And I promise you, he will help you to take your marriage and restore it into what it needs to be. Maybe not perfect, but we can go light years from where we're at right now. And I do want to close by going to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse number 20 through 22. The book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse number 20 through 22. This is the first man ever created on earth. His name was Adam, and uh, God created him. This was during a different dispensation. He didn't taste of sin, but he was by himself. And we'll pick up our reading in verse number 20 of Genesis chapter 2. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowls of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. I want to paint a picture for you just real quick. I want you to look in in the corridors of your mind into a beautiful garden with all sorts of beautiful things, way beyond what we could fathom with our mind, way beyond anything we've ever seen. And I want you to see a man out there, and he's sitting there in the garden, and he's watching all the animals and listening to the birds, and all of a sudden he looks up, and he sees the Lord, his creator, God, walking toward him. And beside him is another person, one he's never seen before. Understand that all he'd ever seen was the Lord. The Bible says right there in verse number 22, and brought her unto the man. And as they draw closer, God looks at Adam and he says, Adam, this is Eve. I made her for you. And Adam's heart pitter-patters, and his eyes light up. It's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. And she says, hello, Adam, to him. And he says, hello to her. And he says, Adam, now there's some stipulations with her, okay? I want you to understand, Adam, that you need to love her, Adam. 
and you need to honor her, and you need to cherish her. And Adam looks at the Lord, and he says, oh, yes, yes, sir, I will. Yes, sir, no doubt I will. She's, she's the most beautiful creature I've ever seen, Lord. He said, I made her for you, Adam. I took her from your rib, which is close to your heart, because I want you to love her. I didn't take her from your foot, Adam, so that you could walk on her. And I can just see him reaching out the first time and maybe taking her hand and going, wow, you're soft. And she does that little girlish snicker that all girls do because girls like to laugh and men are funny. And then he runs her hand, his hand through her hair and, wow, your hair's soft too. And then as they walk off hand in hand so that Adam can show her the garden and the animals, the Lord just smiles and says, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. He was all alone, and I made him a helpmate to help him. And that's what she's designed for. Do you know why I believe that Adam loved Eve so much? Adam never forgot what it was like to be alone. And I got a feeling there's a lot of men listening to this podcast. Sir, you forgot what it was like to be alone.